This is mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Previously on Wormwood, Sheriff Bradley, Dr. Crow, and Pete Menno finish reburying Emily Saunders and then headed to the diner. Jimmy details Jacob Kidder and Rachel Nolan all arrive at the diner, but before Jacob can speak with Crow, Bradley gets a call about the death of Charles Edison. Deidre Frost reveals that she, too, can see Rachel Nolan. Once a prominent psychologist, tragedy forced Dr. Xander Crow down the dark pathways of the occult, and he was transformed. Now, chasing the vision of a dead woman, Dr. Crow finds himself in the haunted town of Wormwood, where evil lurks in the shadows and stains the souls of its inhabitants. Welcome to Wormwood. Episode 15, Alone at Last, written by Rob Allspaugh and Rick Beta. seem to recall ordering room service before passing out. Who's that? I'm trying to get my beauty rest. Bloody hell, did I tell you to come in? Uh, look what the cat dragged in. There's no cat involved here, Dr. Crow. However, there was a little bird involved. Good Lord, what happened to you, Deirdre? You look a fright. Your little friend surprised me. Little friend? Sparrow. How do you know Sparrow? Well, hon, she used a pretty harsh warding spell on me over the phone. I haven't felt anything like that in a while. Why, Deirdre, I'm beginning to suspect there's much more to you than meets the eye. Well, you have never asked the right questions, Dr. Crow. And just what questions would those be, I wonder? I'll leave you to figure that out, Doctor. Please, call me Xander. Hmm. I brought you a present, Xander. You brought me coffee. Oh, your phone. Ah, now I'm beginning to understand. Now, I want you to understand something, Xander. This town is my home. And you have my condolences. And I've taken to looking after the folks here. Is this where you threaten me? I'll have you know that Sheriff Bradley's done a remarkably splendid... There's no threat. I'd just like to know a little... Oh. What's wrong? Damned headache again. It's the hand. What? I think we both know what's going on here, Deirdre. We both have a certain awareness of the world, shall we say? Maybe. Then why don't you explain to me what's happening here in Wormwood? Why don't you explain to me exactly why you're here? 
You know about the vision. I know what you've told everyone. Well, there you go. Quid pro quo, my darling. <laughs> no, hon, I don't think our relationship is quite there yet. You know, if someone would just give me a straight answer... Oh, <laughs> funny, coming from you. What do you know about the Hilled Relic? The what now? Or how about Margaret Roosevelt? Oh, the drowned girl. Yes, the other one. I find it interesting that you never mentioned her. I didn't imagine a death that was so old was so relevant. And yet you knew about it, Deirdre. And we've definitely established that your arrival in Wormwood came later in life. You hear things. If you listen, no, instead of barging in and shouting, that is. I don't see what it has to do with Emily or why you're here now. You don't see... Do I need to draw a picture, Deirdre? Oh, don't sass me, hon. Or did the bathtub drowning mortality rate just leap to the top of the list of common causes of death? Well, first of all, there's a lot of rumour involved. They say a boy drowned. And yet you still don't think it's more than coincidence. But the truth is, she was having an affair with a married man in a small town in the 30s. Well, what do you think that was like? You tell me. Well, I don't suppose I can, Xander. But you can talk to the man she had the affair with. What? Oh, there's your girl. Oh, wait, no. Not my... Hold on one second, I'd better get this. Yes, what is it? Wow, not even a what have you got for me? I guess that woman brought you back your phone. Her name is Deirdre, and what on earth did you do to the poor woman? Is she there with you now? As a matter of fact... Yes. She's a sensitive crow. Yes, I gather that. I don't like being probed. She may be of some importance. Look, I don't care what kind of hillbilly floozies you bed down with, but let's just keep something clear. Sparrow, you sound positively jealous. <laughs> Do you want me to leave, hon? No, no, just a moment. Don't give me this jealousy crap. She's bad news, Xander. Drop her like Lindsay Lohan's panties. This is all quite unnecessary, Sparrow. I've been covering your ass for a week now, Xander. I've been telling you that Marino's got someone on my tail, and now I find out all you're into is a little tale of your own. Sparrow, if you'll just act rationally for one moment... Rationally? You've got to be kidding me. I've had your back this entire time, and it's about time you start listening to me instead of barking orders. Stop acting like a child! What? I just... Listen for a moment! No. You know what? I'm done. Sparrow! Good luck, Crow. Sparrow, come on! Sparrow! What just happened? Sounds like your little bird just flew the coop. That is not good. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. What is this now? Crow, you in there? Yes, yes, I'm right here, Sheriff. Are you ready to... Oh. Um, hi, Deidre. I'm... I'm sorry, Crow, I didn't know you had to... Oh, it's... Company. Not like that. I'd better go, Xander. Uh-huh. Mm, yes, but wait, I won't... Harlan Panic. That's the name. We'll talk later. Tom, see you down at the diner. Sure. Uh, sure thing, Dee. Well, Crow, looks like you're finally making friends. Just following a friendly suggestion. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. Now, now, can you get dressed already? Why, Sheriff, it's our big first date. I just don't know what to wear. Crow, why do you have to make everything harder than it needs to be? Look, I know I'm in over my head right now. Wormwood has more bodies in Menno's freezer than skeletons in his closet. This town just isn't built to handle something like this. My only deputy is afraid of blood, for Christ's sake! Look, I think you're a good guy with the personality of a toad's stool. I believe you mean a toad stool. No, I said it right the first time. 
Ooh, touche. Look, Doc, it ain't easy for me to say, but I need your help with something. Sorry? I believe I'm still reeling about your remarks against my personality. Crow, come on! I'm talking to you straight here. Go on, then. Oh. Look, I don't even know where to start. We've got Charles Edison torn apart and his wife Katrina smashed and broken by a truck. A murder and an accident. A day apart, two bodies mangled. I can't write that off as coincidental. No, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Illuminate me. Okay, here goes. Now, you mentioned a certain mark on Emily Saunders, that Volkswagen symbol. The seal of the wandering Prince Uriel from the second book of the Legiment, and what about it? Yeah, yeah, well, I don't have a clue what that is. But listen, Crow, I'm having a hard enough time wrapping my brain around Emily Saunders being caught up in some sort of cult business. But what if she was... I'm viewing the three other mangled bodies about town these past days. I'm beginning to wonder if I've been missing strange occurrences happening right under my nose. Mm, but you wouldn't know, no? You're the good guy, the one on the straight and narrow, get it? Don't beat yourself up over living in the dark, Sheriff. Look, can you show me what that Volkswagen mark looks like? Apparently, Pete didn't think to note it in his autopsy report, and we can't exactly exhume her body again. Well, I usually investigate these matters privately. Look, but... let's work together, Crow. I'm not going to fight you on it anymore. I'll give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. Good... Unless you actually kill someone. Don't need one of those, friend. The hand, remember? How could I forget? I probably could use a little goodwill amongst the locals right about now. However, I agree. We'll negotiate book deals later. Yeah, sure. sure, sure, sure. Now, what's this interest you and Deidre have with Harlan Panic? Well, I want to know where to find him. you. Hello, I'm Dr. Xander Crow. I'm here to see Harlan Panic. I called earlier. I'm assuming he's still here and has not 23 skidooed out of town. That's right. You're the funny one. I love the way you talk. Are you English? You do, do you? Yes, I'm from England, originally. My William was stationed over there during World War II. He loved the English countryside. What a pleasure it is to meet a civilized person in this town at last. Tell me, do you get back to the country very often? I get back every five years or so to visit his grave. My William was killed in battle defending you English pansies. Mr. Panic's bedroom is down at the end of the hallway. Do you think you could find it all by yourself? Or do we need to send in the Marines again? I believe I can find it on my own, and thank you for that sobering dose of reality. Dr. Crow, I have been expecting you. You've been expecting me. Curious as I've only just learned of your existence. It's not such a mystery, Dr. Crow. Peter has told me a lot about you in the last few days. Oh, I see. I hadn't realized that the good doctor was a town gossip. I shan't let that fact escape my notice again. 
come now, Dr. Crow. Don't get your knickers in a twist. Peter comes by to check up on me and to give me the tale of the town. And you, my disheveled friend, have become quite the grandiose figure in the past few days. Can't say that I don't try. I was saddened, though, to hear the death of Emily Saunders more than you can know. Did you know her well, then? No, not well. I saw her every now and again from my window. She had the look of her great-grandmother and her grandmother. You knew her grandmother and great-grandmother? Ah, yes. I knew Margaret well. Really? I am looking into Emily's death. I am sorry, did you say... As in Margaret Roosevelt? Well, yes. How do you know that name? Long story, but I'm more interested in hearing yours. Yes, I figured as much. Where to start? I find the beginning is usually the best place. I seem to have nothing but middles recently, or beginnings that go too far back, as was the case with my vagabond friend. Jonesy? The same. Talking up his made stories again, eh? Yes, yes, quite interesting, actually. I can't speak to that. I don't know anything about any Indians who are here. I can only tell you where my story begins. Let's have it, then. It started in 1930 when Margaret came to Wormwood, which was unusual enough to take notice. You did not see young women traveling by themselves at the time. I do not know where she came from, only that she arrived by train, clouded in shadow. Margaret did not like to talk about the past, and I respected her privacy. She was hired and put to work at the estates of Reginald and Emily Bloomington. I met her shortly thereafter. I was a business associate of Reginald. Ah, Reginald was a good man. A good man who sired a monster named Cedric Bloomington. Cedric and Margaret. Wasn't Wasn't it Cedric who drowned Margaret in 1936 at the Bloomington Estates? Was, was Margaret Emily's great-grandmother? Dr. Crow, I am an extremely old man with precious few breaths left. Let me tell my tale to you, and if I am still able to draw breath afterwards, I will try and answer all your questions. Please go ahead. The spotlight is yours. Thank you, kind sir. I was married to a kind and decent woman named Helen. She gave me three perfect sons. I loved all of them deeply and could never imagine doing the things that I did from the moment I saw her I knew. Margaret. Something about Margaret stirred in me a way that Helen could not. I had to have her. I had to be with her. It was like a compulsion. So I wooed her and eventually won her love and her body. We were together in secret for four years. In the summer of 1935, disaster struck. Margaret was pregnant. We were in a bind. I could not leave Helen and the boys, nor could I avoid the responsibility of Margaret and our unborn child. How? How could this have happened, Harlan? I don't know, Maggie. We were always so careful. The scandal will ruin you. Think of what it would do to poor Helen and the boys. I know. Maybe we could just run away. We can't run. You could never desert your family. I know you better than that. (gasps) Mr. Bloomington! Margaret, uh, Harlan, I do apologize. I I don't want to eavesdrop, but I feel as though I may 
be able to offer my assistance. Harlan, will you accompany me to my study? Margaret, you can take the rest of the afternoon off and rest. But sir, Mrs. Bloomington... This is her idea. How long have we been friends? Harlan, haven't I always stood behind you? Even when you hung out with those seedy jazz musicians insisting that you could transform Wormwood into the next Kansas City. I know, I know. I always lost my bearings to the lure of the muse. You're a good man to stand by me, Reggie. And you take good care of Margaret. Better than I can, I'm afraid. Our hearts often find trouble that our minds cannot bear, Harlan. But perhaps the fates have smiled upon us both this day. I, too, carry my own heaviness of heart. Do you remember how I almost lost Emily when Cedric was born? Yes, of course. Emily and I have been afraid to have another child ever since. Please, old friend, forgive the indelicate nature of my suggestion. I thought that from this unusual predicament might come a solution that accommodates us all. What are you suggesting, Reg? Adoption. We'd like to adopt the child, raise him or her as our own. I don't know what to say. I need to think about this. I'm all balled up, Reg. Please, Harlan, I only ask you to consider it. We could provide for the child in a way that neither you nor Margaret could manage. I truly believe this is the best possible solution for everyone. Believe me, the child would be well cared for. If I could trust anyone, it would be you and Emily. You just gotta let me talk to Margaret. Of course. Do you think he suspects anything? Emily, were you watching? No, he doesn't suspect a thing. Dr. <coughs> 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 Crow, would you mind pouring me some water, please? The pitcher and glasses are over by the fireplace. Of course. You keep looking at your cellular phone, Dr. Crow. Are you expecting a cellular phone call? No, apparently not. Thank you. On March 1st, 1936, Margaret gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. She was perfect. And the Bloomingtons adopted the child. It was all very hush-hush, but we knew it was for the best, or we thought it was. What do you mean? It's never really made much sense to me, Crow. I'm a very old man now, and I've seen so very much. But my life, in that time, it appeared to be never-ending tragedy. Emily Bloomington insisted they call the girl Margaret. I think Maggie was sweet on the deal, although she'd never admit it. Maggie, dearest, you're crying again. I... I don't mean to, Harlan, it's just... Seems so much more torturous than I thought. I can hear the baby crying at night, and my only thoughts are to comfort her, but Emily is very possessive. Emily's a good woman. I'm certain she just wants to ensure she has a maternal bond with little Margaret. It's for the best, you know. I know, I know. It's just my milk's gone. My my clothes are always such a mess. I I ache to feed her, but Emily won't allow it. It'll pass. Come on, I've drawn you a bath. I need to head home to see Helen. Little Harold's taken Ellie, you know, touch of the stomach flu. Yes, yes, I know. It's it's fine, Harlan. I'll be fine.
feels nice. I, I suppose Harlan's right. He knows best on these things. I just wish Emily would let me... Oh, I have to stop doing this to myself. Who's there? Oh, Cedric. It's only you. You... You really shouldn't be in here, Cedric. They are by nature evil and will not obey willingly and are very false in their doing. What? Cedric, what are you holding? Why do you have your father's hammer in your hand? No, Cedric, no! They appear in the form of a serpent with a virgin head and face. What's going on in here? Oh my god! Cedric, what have you done? Reginald, come quickly! Reginald arrived and Emily explained to him what she had found. Cedric didn't seem to recall a thing. In order to avoid a scandal, they tried to hush it up and made it appear to be an accident. I was distraught, but I understood. Why punish the boy and bring more heartbreak to the family? Better to let them heal. It was best for me to just return to Helen and the boys and forget about that tragic chapter. Dr. Crow, you look as though you've seen a ghost. Does my tale resonate with you? Mr. Panic, your tale does have a startlingly similar plot to what I've recently witnessed. I thought it might. Poor Emily. Saunders, who is Margaret's great-granddaughter, and... Yes, Dr. Crow, and my great-granddaughter as well. Oh, she never knew it. So why are you telling me this? Why now? Do you think this confession will absolve you of your sins? I'm not a bloody priest. No, but you are involved, Dr. Crow. You came to Wormwood beckoned by the vision of my great-granddaughter. Maybe you're here to right a wrong and punish a man who needs to be punished. Maybe it's all coincidence. Although I don't suspect you believe in coincidence, do you, Doctor? Quite right, Mr. Panic. So tell me, what do you know of occult rituals? I am afraid, Dr. Crow, that we might have to continue this conversation another time. I am not used to speaking so much. I'm so very old. Come tomorrow night and we'll speak again. Mr. Panic, if you'll indulge me, can you please just tell me what happened to the boy? I believe that another young boy has been similarly affected. Ask him yourself. He's in Wormwood. Still lives on the old Bloomington farm. Orchards are gone, but Cedric, he still haunts the land. I see, but... (coughs) uh, (coughs) Please, please, Dr. Crow, go now. I must rest. Thank you for visiting an old man. Good night, Mr. Panic. May peace be with you and your soul. (laughs) Open the door, Crow. I know you're in there. That damn hybrid is in the parking lot. Bloody hell! The Wormwood wake-up call is getting to be a bit of a habit, isn't it? Hold on, Menno, I'm coming! Now what the hell is so important? What did you do to him? What... Tell me, you bastard! What are you talking about? Why in the bloody blue blazes did you just swing at me? Harlan, what did you do to him? 
Nothing. We had a conversation. That's all. Ask him yourself. I can't, Crow. He's dead. He died last night. Get up and get the hell out of town, Crow. You bring nothing but death and misery to anyone around you. Get out of Wormwood, Dr. Crow. I don't know why Tom hasn't run you out of town yet. But if you don't get out now, so help me, I'll run you out my own damn self. Well, that's just exactly what I needed, isn't it? To be continued on the next episode of Wormwood. Created by David Acampo and Jeremy Rogers, Wormwood is an original podcast produced by Habit Forming Films, LLC, featuring the talented cast of Season 1 regular and supporting roles. Arthur Russell as Dr. Xander Crow, Sonia Parozzi as Rachel Nolan and Sparrow, Scott Olenek as Jacob Kidder, Coralie Nickars as Emily Saunders, Deidre Frost, and Margaret Roosevelt, Joe J. Thomas as Hank Mason, Phineas Tibbert, Bob Gildenstern, Mr. Bressier, and your announcer, Rob Grindlinger, as Sheriff Tom Bradley, Steve Haskell, Cedric Bloomington, and Julian Callender, Peter Dirksen, as Jimmy Details, Jonesy, and Harlan Panic, Zachary Fawkes, as Charles Edison, Brent Saunders, and Reginald Bloomington, Cheyenne Besize, as Katrina Edison, Lamora Haskell, Emily Bloomington, and Sister George, Anna Maganini, as Lynette Bradley and Peggy Nolan, Andrew Ramirez as Dexter Nolan and young Cedric Bloomington, Dave Johnston as Deputy Wayne Drexel and Jonathan Kidder, and Chris Blaylock as Dr. Pete Menno. Additional voices provided by the talented cast. Staff writers, Jeremiah Allen, Rob Allspaugh, Tiffany K. Whitney, and Rick Beta. Executive producers, David Acampo and Jeremy Rogers. Original music compositions by Todd Hodges. Sound effects engineered by Chris Sahakian. Copyright 2007, Habit Forming Films, LLC. Wormwood is a serialized podcast and cannot be distributed in part or whole outside of the podcast format without written consent from the creators. For more information on the cast and writers and individual episode credits, visit www.wormwoodshow.com. Thank you for listening, and welcome to town. Tell my tale to you, and if I am still able to draw breath afterwards, I will try and answer all your questions. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy with Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio, or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.